We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back, score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch, or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding and check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. To be honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now Artest has jumped over the scores table. Artest is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen back with Alex Barutha. It is Thursday. December 5th. Alex, we watched the Milwaukee Bucks last night run their winning streak up to 13 games with yet another convincing win, this time over Blake Griffin and the Detroit Pistons. Um, Other than that, kind of a relatively moderate night, uh, usually a lot of games on Wednesdays, but we had a lot of like Golden State, Charlotte, Brooklyn, Atlanta, Memphis, Chicago, you know, not not the type of games you're exactly rushing out to, to your television to turn on. Um, but I think what, what's maybe most interesting about last night is Milwaukee won that game as we expected. You know, another you know twenty four points. This was, I guess, by far their closest game in the last week after two straight forty plus point wins. Uh, I don't want to make this a Bucks podcast, but we are now set up for assuming that the Clippers play you know their full lineup, which night to night is somewhat of a question at this point. Clippers at Bucks on Friday night. That is going. I mean that's that's gonna be crazy. Like I uh 
I like made real plans to like sit down and watch that. Yeah. Like I will not miss this game. Um, there aren't many regular season games like that these days. There really aren't. Um, and I think um, it. We haven't heard that much about the Bucks because they've just been as good as they were last year. Other than like losing, I mean, they lost Brogdon, but like that has not stopped them mm-hmm. from going nineteen and three and having. Um, you know, just can completely dominating by terms of like net rating and everything like that. So I think this will be a really good test for the Bucks. Obviously, hopefully, I mean, I hope the Clippers are at full strength because mm-hmm. I think everybody, I think everybody wants to see that. I and mean, it could be easily, I think it's, I mean, it should be the preview of the finals. At least that's how things looked during the preseason for the, for the title odds. The right. theory was Bucks versus Clippers. Yep. Um, and then we get to see Giannis go back up against Kawhi. And so that would be a lot more charged than it would have been mm-hmm. otherwise. Yeah, I mean, Milwaukee, I wouldn't even say, it's not even fair to say they got off to a shaky start. I, I think relative to maybe some of the expectations, um, you know, they took three losses in their first you know handful of games. And it never reached the point of, of panic or even concern. Um, but I think it was, you know, a couple a couple of games that maybe they didn't expect to lose coupled with Brogdon you know, starting off on the tear and, and he's right. continued to play well and Indiana has been a good team, but um, you know, Bledsoe had a few shaky games early on and I, th- I think that kind of fueled it, but now here we are. And I mean, they, they look, I would say even better than last season. Um, I mean, a 19 and three start in terms of win percentage, that's a little over 86%. Of course, last year they finished 60 and 22. That's a 73% win percentage. Um, you know, I, I would guess that they probably, don't maintain this pace the entire way I, I think they probably end up around 60 wins maybe maybe one or two more based on how this is going you know they've, they've had pretty good injury luck so far you know they lost chris middleton for what looked like maybe it would be a month plus ended up only being i think seven or eight games right um but really i mean at the end of the day as long as Giannis is healthy this team it almost doesn't seem to matter who you put around him and they've built a, a nice supporting cast you know maybe not the type of supporting cast that we've seen around stars that have won championships recently. But I, I think going into or moving through the season, I guess rather, I, I feel just as good this year about Milwaukee Milwaukee's chances to get there. You know, at that point, I think just getting to the finals for a team that hasn't been there in, you know, what, 40 plus years now, um, you know, that would be big in, in, in a lot of sense. But I think there's almost even if you don't think this team ceiling is quite as high as last year, having lost Brogdon, which I, I think I would be in that camp. The fact that you don't have the specter of the Warriors with Kevin Durant waiting at the end, I, I think almost, almost kind of compensates for that, you know? So maybe, maybe this Bucks team, regardless of how, how fast they've started, maybe their ceiling isn't quite as high as last year, but the team that you're inevitably facing in the end, I think there's an argument maybe isn't quite as strong as it's been the last four years. Yeah. And you know, they're, the the teams in the western conference i mean if that if there's ends up being an la versus la western conference finals that will probably end up being like really hard on both teams mm-hmm. theoretically whatever team comes out of that is going to be pretty tired um you know the the bucks don't have like one specific team to worry about in the east but you know i a lot of the i mean the raptors look way better than expected yeah. obviously boston and philly are still there um i'd be the most worried about philly but yep yeah, I mean this I mean the Clippers are obviously incredible, have the potential to be you know the the best defensive team in the league. It it's just going to be interesting to see how they decide to guard Giannis, whether they try to put you know one of Paul George or 
Kawhi Leonard on him or both, or they just like dedicate like Mo Harkless, mm-hmm. you know, to him or or whoever. Maybe even some Montrez Harrell or I, it'll just be really interesting to see and hopefully a finals preview of how the Clippers try to stop this Bucks team that yep. looks unstoppable right now. In terms of the odds to win the title, the Clippers are are still the favorite at plus three hundred. Lakers plus three ninety. Bucks are plus five hundred. Um, you know, I, I I'm still skeptical of their of their ability to to fully scale the mountain. But I mean, if you can get that team that's on this run right now at, at plus five hundred, I, I don't hate those odds to win the East. The Bucks are plus one fifty. Philly plus two twenty. So I, there's still I think some maybe some lingering skepticism about Milwaukee, you know, in a spe- specifically in that series against Philly. And I, I think Vegas has been a little hesitant to to weigh too heavily, you know, the fact that Philly, you know, they're off to a good start in, in you know, in their 15 and six through 21 games, you know, coming in at just under a 60 win pace. They've been good too, but um, they've, they've looked a little bit, uh, a little bit more out of sorts, I think. And, you know, they've dealt with some injuries of their own that have, that have been a part of that. But um yeah i mean for tomorrow night's game is going to be i think the the regular season game of the year so far again assuming everyone plays do you want to guess the line i will say milwaukee by mm, two and a half it's three. Oh, That's a good guess okay yeah when you have to wonder too i mean there, we should say there's no indication that Kawhi would be held out of this right. game it's not a back-to-back so he should play but I mean, if anything, maybe there's some gamesmanship of, you know, you only play the Clippers twice before, you know, looking way ahead to a potential matchup in the playoffs. Um, but we'll, we'll get back to the Bucks, I, I think, in a little bit. For for today's pod, I, I asked you to come up with really not even a certain number. As many, uh, what, what, basically what the big storylines that you're going to be looking out for are for the rest of the season. So I don't know how many came, how many you came up with. I came up with eight or nine. I'll probably narrow it down a little bit, but just kind of the overarching topics, um, either that have kind of influenced the season thus far, um, things you're looking for over the next couple months, or you know, even more longer term, you know, broader league themes. So this could be anything NBA related: schedule, teams, players, fantasy, whatever you want. So I'll, I'll let you lead it off with your first topic to keep an eye on the rest of the way. I think the I think the Raptors are going to look to be buyers at the trade deadline. They're too good. They can't. I don't think they can try to like do a rebuild at this point. They have the second best rating in the NBA in terms of simple ranking system, which is just continues to be insane for me. We've talked about it before on the podcast. I don't understand how it's happening. They have the best uh, defensive effective field goal percentage. Nobody can make shots against them. Every single Raptors player with 100-plus minutes has a positive net rating, except Mark Gasol, who is minus two because he is averaging 6.5 points on 33% shooting in his 29 minutes. has been an awful offensive year for him. My concern is, like, who, who, would, they, like, who would they trade? Who I, would I they trade for or who would they trade away? Who would they trade away? Who wants, like, are teams, like, coming looking for Norman Powell they're not going to trade Anobi. Mm-hmm. I don't really think they want to get rid of Lowry or, I mean, maybe they would go for Ibaka, who's trading for Marcus Saul at this point. I just, I yeah. worry they don't have pieces, but I think they do want to buy somehow. I have the Raptors on my list as well. And the way I phrased it was the Raptors somehow stuck between contending and rebuilding again. And it, they've kind of been in this spot to varying degrees. You know, I think you can go back three or four years to, 
you know, these rumblings that Masai has always wanted to kind of restart and build his own team. And he's just, they've always been just a bit too good. And obviously last year, you know, it all paid off, but it does feel like they're kind of in that spot again. And the emergence of Siakam changes everything. It's a lot different when you have Kawhi Leonard or Siakam on the roster versus Lowry and DeRozan, you know, kind of banging their heads against the wall year after year. But I agree with you. I, I think this is kind of a two-pronged question and it relates to one of the other things on my list. You know, if you're the Raptors, like you said, everyone who's in the rotation is playing so well that there's not really an obvious candidate. And in terms of money, if you want to bring in somebody big, you know, it's, it's Gasol or Ibaka, most likely just because they make 26 and 23 million respectively. Um, but I think if you view this as a potential finals contending team, which I, I think if you ask the players on this roster would probably say that's in the realm of possibility and, you know, the way they've played, they they could be in the mix if, you know, if something were to happen to the Bucks or, or the Sixers or whatever team you think might be better. Um, you know, you might want Marcus Gasol specifically for that Sixers matchup. I mean, we saw him just own Embiid again last week, and that's kind of been a theme, you know, over the years. So at some point, maybe that doesn't become worth it when he's making that much money and he's really giving you nothing else against anyone but Joel Embiid. So, so to answer the first part of your question, I, I think Gasol and Ibaka are the two guys who are maybe the most expendable. They're both expiring. You know, both guys you're probably not bringing back after this year anyway. Um, and even though they they do have unique value, I guess, to this specific roster, I, I think they're probably the most expendable. The other option would be Van Vliet. Um, you know, he's a guy who's, you know, we just heard reports last week. Some people think he's going to get like north of 20 million a year. Do the Raptors want to be that team? Right. I don't know. Um, if they don't, then it kind of turns into a Bogdan Bogdanovich situation in Sacramento where, you know, I mean, it's maybe a little less you're a little less apt to trade him if you're Toronto because you're playing so well, whereas Sacramento is kind of borderline playoff team. But if you, if you decide that you're not going to be the team to sign him, you might just want to get value in a trade. But um, I, th- I think the overarching theme is like, who are you trading for? There's just not that many right. guys. You know, if you if you want to add someone, it does seem like it's going to be a Gallinari type, um, say, a Fournier yeah. type, you know, kind of these fringe guys who, who can make an impact, certainly. But I don't think there's going to be a mid-season, you know, superstar type of trade. I, I just, I don't know who that player would be. Yeah, I don't think so either, which is part of the problem. But like, I like the way that you phrase it, like they're kind of between contending and rebuilding. It's just crazy. Like, I mean, Nick Nurse is very much on pace to potentially win coach of the year at this point. I mean, you lose a top five player in Kawhi Leonard. Um, I mean, by by both win percentage and simple rating system, if this if this pace keeps up, this is the best team in franchise history. Yeah, like that. It doesn't make sense, but it's it's happening. Mm-hmm. And like, um, I agree with you. Like, I don't know if I want to pay Fred Van Vliet, you know, twenty million dollars, and I don't know who else. You know, I don't know if Masai Ujiri would try to strong arm him and be like, "Listen, you're not going to get twenty million dollars in free agency. Right. Like, no one's going to pay you to. You're shoot not that good. Forty <laughs> percent from the field. Yeah, we can both admit you're playing above your, your head right now. <laughs> I know you're playing thirty eight minutes a game, and we're one of the best teams in the league. But trust me, you're not that good. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. And I just think it's a really interesting storyline that the and like we've we've talked about before. You you lose a player as good as Kawhi Leonard, and you you really just don't miss a beat, even a little bit. Yeah, it's been really, really incredible. Um, I, I think they were probably fully prepared to not rebuild because when you have someone as good as Siakam and even some of the, the role players that have emerged, like they were never going to bottom out. But I think they were fully prepared to be maybe the five or six seed, you know, and and sell off some parts as as deals come in. And yeah, it just has not been the case. And I, I think now you're at, you're to the point where they look so good and 
kind of going back to the lack of a team like the Warriors that has four All Stars. You know, I you could. I mean, if you're any team really in either conference, you can convince yourself that you're a contender, right? I mean, I, I don't think. I don't think anyone looks at the Lakers and says, man, we're just not beating this team. You know, I mean, they've been they've been good. I think you can say the same about the Clippers. Every team is more vulnerable now than than the Warriors have been over the last few years. And we kind of knew that going in. But um, I I think an interesting dovetail from that, too, is I was I was just talking to Shannon McCune earlier. He asked me if I think the top six in the East is better than the top six in the West. Mm. Is it at least close to equal right now? I think Utah is a lot better than Indiana, which are the two six seeds right yeah. now. I just think Utah is playing a little like under their under their skill level. Um, I would agree. They got absolutely killed last night. They did by the Lakers. Yeah, um, which is worth noting. That was in Utah. Um, and the other thing with Indiana is, I think you can make the case. I, I'm with you that I think Utah is better. Indiana is also getting Oladipo back at some point. That's true. And at that yeah. point, yeah, I mean Utah is 12 and 10 right now. Indiana is 14 and seven. Yeah, they play you know the slanted schedule in the East, and I, I think teams eight through fifteen in the East are definitely worse than eight through fifteen in the West, with maybe the exception of Golden State. That's still true, but I mean, Boston versus Denver, Toronto versus Dallas, Houston versus Philly. You know, I mean, these Miami looks like. I mean, I, I think all those teams, even if even if they were in different conferences, would all kind of be in the same spots. Is what I'm trying to say. I guess I, I don't think any of these teams in the East are just benefiting from a soft schedule. No, I think, I mean, I think you can make the case that like the, I think the Pacers are probably beginning the most benefit from a soft schedule, but um, yeah, I think, I think it is relatively close. I mean, the Nuggets have been slow because of Jokic struggling and, and everything like that. Mavericks, whether it's sustainable or not, I mean, I would say it probably is because Don is just that good. Yeah. I mean, would you be at this point? Would you say you'd be surprised if any of the top six teams in either conference missed the playoffs? Like that would be pretty surprising, I think, especially in the East. Yes, I mean, at this point, if you're off, like even for the Pacers, if you're off to yeah. a fourteen and seven start, pretty hard to miss the playoffs in the East. And I think, I think the main thing is like all of these teams, and I guess we shouldn't be surprised, are like coached very well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have Boonholzer and Stevens, Nick Nurse, Spolstra. Brett Brown, some people have questions about that. Obviously, Nate McMillan's a good coach. Like, you can go down the list and all these, you know, all these 12 teams mm-hmm. have great coaches on them. Um, so, yeah, I feel like they those teams are pretty locked in. And that's just the seven and eight on both conferences that are relative, pretty fluid, actually, as of right now. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll jump. That's one of the one of the things I have on my list is the race for the bottom two playoff spots, specifically in the Western Conference. Right. I you know it'll there will be a race for the eighth seed in the east it's going to be the lamest race of all time between like just teams that nobody cares about or wants to watch like orlando detroit i mean charlotte is right in the thick of it right now um i mean even a team like chicago that's had everything go wrong essentially so far two and a half out of the eight seed the wizards are three games out of the eight seed um you know I, i talked with james the other day about like how many teams could you confidently say you'll cross off as teams that you you know will not make the playoffs and to me in the east it's like it's only the wizards Cavs, and knicks i wouldn't be surprised if the hawks went on a little bit of run i mean once once john collins is back who knows how big of a difference that could make is there really that big of a talent gap between 5 and 17 atlanta and 10 and 11 orlando (laughs) uh I, i don't really think so especially while orlando's dealing with like vucevic being out and everything like that i mean they're 
yeah, I mean, any of these teams are like one, you know, uh, one of their best players missing 15 games away from absolute disaster. If right. Trey Young misses 10 games, that's just 10 losses. Uh, yeah, it might are, be 10 losses anyway. At this point. I don't know. The Hawks, the Hawks have been among the disappointments. But anyway, I'm, I'm already off topic on <clears throat> on the topic I wanted to bring up, which, yeah, that, that race for the bottom two in the West. Well, do you, <clears throat> excuse me. Do you think the Pelicans can actually make it in? If they get they're six and fifteen right now, it's pretty rough. But if they get Zion back, let's say he comes yeah. back Christmas, if they can basically if they can work their way up, I mean, I feel like they could go five hundred. They're they're three and a half out. Right. They definitely could. That's, I, that's, and that's the teams that they're chasing are, are Minnesota and Phoenix. I mean, does anyone have any <laughs> faith in either of those teams continue and they're not even five hundred teams. Yeah, I guess Minnesota just you know, just got to five hundred. They're ten and ten. But I mean, I, it, would it shock anyone if New Orleans, like if New Orleans went, won four games in a row against a soft portion of the schedule, they go on an Eastern Conference road trip, they're right back in it. You know, I mean, yeah. I think, you know, Phoenix is probably in the long term going to struggle to get to 40 wins. You know, I mean, I, I think no one no one really took them all that seriously with that with that hot start. And, you know, I guess, you know, they're still sitting in the eight, but they're nine and 11 and the, you know, they're right now they're, they're trending toward closer to a 35 win season than, you know, than a 42 win season. So yeah, I mean, it might not, it might not be until, you know, after the all-star break that we really start to get a better picture of, of who's a true contender. And I, I think a lot of that has to do with teams like Portland and San Antonio and new Orleans. And of course, golden state just being so much worse than we expected. Um, you know, I think we kind of had the issue when we were talking about this back in September, October, there were almost too many good teams in the West and you're, you're like, who's getting, who's going to get bumped out. And now it almost seems like we're, you know, you're going to kind of have to shoehorn two teams in under that top six. Right. I mean, the Grizzlies and Warriors are definitely out, but other than that, I mean, everybody's in. Yeah. And I mean, the, the Kings have been, the Kings are eight and 12. One game out. Started off horrible and they don't have Fox and Bagley. Yeah. So they're going to get those guys back. Like, I would almost bet on the Kings to make the playoffs at this point. Right. And the Sun, the Sun, the Suns are actually going to get eight and back. Uh, and the Thunder have been surprisingly good. I mean, you can keep going down this list. Blazers have won some games since getting Carmelo. Yep. I don't really want to talk about Fourth it. Uh, <laughs> they got the Lakers tomorrow night, so we'll see about that. Okay. Um, it's just, yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. It's, okay. a, it's a crazy race. And okay. it wasn't what I expected it to be. Getting tickets online can be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know who to trust. That is why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek pulls millions of tickets into one place. You can easily find the seats you want for a price you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. By searching multiple ticket sites and grading every ticket based on value, SeatGeek helps you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. I just used SeatGeek earlier this year, twice actually, to get tickets to Green Bay Packers games. No issues either way. Just downloaded the tickets, had them right on my phone, scanned them, boom, I was in. Super, super easy. That's how it works with SeatGeek. And best of all, our listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase of $30 or more. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code ROTONBA, R-O-T-O-N-B-A. Again, that promo code is ROTONBA for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase of $30 or more. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. What is your second item? I... I don't think Gobert is winning Defensive Player of the Year. I think we can just say that's not going to happen. 
So the question is, who is going to win Defensive Player of the Year? And this is like the award that kind of just gets decided like at the yeah. end of the year a lot of the times. But um, to even like to to bring in some like fantasy stats into it, it the most valuable defensive players in fantasy who have played at least 15 games, it goes Anthony Davis, Jonathan Isaac, Drummond, Butler, Ben Simmons, Kawhi Leonard, Drew Holiday. Like it goes for a while. It's like 15 yeah. players and then it's Gobert. And he was fifth last year. <laughs> of everyone who had 65 games played. So he's far down. The Jazz had the number two defense last year. This year it's 10th. There are, I mean, there are, the defenses that are better than the Jazz are like the Lakers. We have Anthony Davis. Milwaukee, who has Brooke Lopez and Yang Sagatakumbo. The uh, 76ers have Embiid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, Miami has Jimmy Butler. The Clippers obviously have Kawhi and Paul George. And Indiana has, if you could throw Miles Turner in there, even though he's not on this list, but... I just feel like um, it. I think I feel, I feel like this is lining up for Anthony Davis to win Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, I mean, I think you never want to put too much stock into one early December game, but it it definitely felt like that was the message that LeBron's camp and the Lakers were kind of trying to send last night with with the game that Davis had, um, or I guess that was. Um, well, it was last night against the Jazz. Um, I mean, he shut down Jokic a couple nights ago and then basically did the same thing to Gobert, who's, of course, not the same offensive player. But um, even if you just look at the raw numbers, I mean, Gobert is playing like three more minutes per game and his blocks are down. You know, he's never been a big steals guy as a center. You know, a, a lot of his candidacy has been based on team defense. And if the Jazz are not like a top five defense, I, I think that kind of evaporates pretty quickly and even if you look at the rate stats i mean the steel steel rate is exactly the same his block rate is down a full percentage um you know he's rebounding at about the same rate you never really know how much that factors into to defense but i i don't think he's on track to win it and he's also won the last two and i think there's less voter fatigue when it comes to defensive player of the year we've seen a lot of two-time winners a lot of repeat winners there haven't been many three-time winners um i, I think if you do get to the point where voters are looking to to give it to someone else i think that becomes a little easier this year Last year, it just felt like he got it by default, I think. Yeah. You know, I mean, Kawhi had won a couple, and he played, you know, his, he played such few games that he was kind of out of it. Davis took himself out of it midway through the season. <laughs> um, I, I think it's Giannis or Davis at this point. I think, yeah, I would agree. Because, I mean, Jonathan Isaac has been great, but the Magic aren't going to be good enough for that to be, like, a real conversation. And, um, yeah, but Jimmy Butler might have a case. Um, I don't think, like, Ben Simmons has... Ben Simmons is never going to wing it over Joel Embiid. So that kind of, you know, and we talked about Kawhi missing games, Drew Holiday, they aren't good enough. So, like, I think um, I think it is lining up that way. But, you know, I mean, Gobert, I'm pretty sure he was the favorite coming into the year to win. Yep. Def- I, I don't know why he wouldn't have been. Um, but I really, I just don't think he's going to win this year. Um, it'll be really interesting to see who that goes to. Who's your, what's your next uh storyline we've already talked a, a decent amount about the lakers but i have the just the lakers being off to the start that they are um how seriously we need to take that and then kind of the subtext of that would be the dwight project and i mean he was awesome again last night <laughs> yes. they he seems to just be i mean it's almost kind of javel like where we've seen coaches in the past you know steve kerr basically came out and said like javel mcgee is great when he plays 15 minutes when he plays more than that it's a disaster Dwight seems to be hovering like right around 19 minutes. If he plays more, he's just going to start fouling at an extreme rate. But <laughs> he was great last night. Seven points, nine rebounds, three blocks. Um, I mean, he's been as great, as good as you could possibly ask. And he's been a, a big part of the reason that they've been so good on D. So 
you know, the fact that the Lakers are are off to this start is certainly surprising. It's by far the best start of LeBron's career, even though I don't think this is the best overall team that he's been on. Um, the Davis partnership is going pretty well. It, it's still a little bit take turns on offense when they're not running pick and roll. Uh, but that's kind of how it's always been with LeBron. And, and honestly, there are very few superstars who've been able to not kind of make that the, you know, the the terms, I guess, on offense. Um, you know, when neither of those guys are extreme knockdown shooters to the degree of Steph Curry, you know, I, I think it's just really hard to integrate two, two ball dominant guys who, uh, you know, both of them can shoot, but neither of them space the floor to, to the degree that it really opens things up. Um, I've just been really impressed with the Lakers and, I think it's it's also interesting that this is the first team I could see going to the finals or winning the finals on which LeBron would not be the automatic finals MVP. I think he would be the MVP, but it wouldn't it would be close. Uh, yeah, I mean it could come down to it could easily come down to Anthony Davis just because of his two way ability, kind of like right. we were just talking about. Like, and I agree with Dwight. I'm like looking at his per 100 possession numbers. This is arguably one of his best defensive seasons of his career just on like a per minute like per possession basis yeah. and i think it comes down to like because he, he dealt with all the back injuries and his back is still probably an issue i assume it is um and so having him play you know not not as many minutes mm-hmm. this is the most efficient season of his career so far for true shooting percentages offensive rating is a full like nine points higher than his next best season like this has been great for the lakers obviously and javel has been pretty solid as well i did i wasn't like I wasn't totally convinced that the, you know, Anthony Davis at power forward and then Howard and McGee at center could work. It's working obviously really well. Yep. They have a, it's just a hard team to drive the lane on. Like you're just going to be surrounded by like big men anytime you get near the the basket. Um, And then they have some obviously like good wing defenders and Danny Green and um, like KCP and guys like that who like, I think they... I think people like really underrated coming into the season how good defensively the the Lakers could be because they've yeah. been so bad for so long. But it's like this isn't yeah this Lakers team is not anything like the what the right. Lakers. Used well, to be. a lot of it too is LeBron just putting in any amount of effort on that end. I <laughs> yeah. think it's you know just I mean honestly he's been such a liability that I think it's been hard and he he'd been in positions where no one could question him. You know I mean on that on that 2018 Cavs team when LeBron was just letting guys go by him every single possession like who was going to yell at him Larry Nance. Matthew Delvadova, you know, like he actually has guys to answer to, I think, on this team. Um, and, and the fact that he's bought in has been surprising. I, I can kind of, the Lakers were kind of one of my subheadings under the, you know, buying selling market right. um, in terms of the teams that ideally would like to buy. I think they're up there. For one, they cashed out almost every single asset they possibly have to get Davis. And, and for, for now, I guess it's been worth it. But, and they knew what they were doing at the time, but they, they've they really limited their flexibility in terms of adding to this roster. I mean, you're, you're going to be looking at the buyout market. You're going to be looking at, you know, cheap contract. I'm, I'm thinking guys like Jermichael Green, you know, who's traded uh, at the deadline last year. Like that that caliber of player is, is probably who they're going to be looking at unless you're willing to throw Kuzma in a deal. And for one, Kuzma's contract isn't all that heavy. You know, so you, you know, if you're trying to get, you know, I don't know, a Kevin Love type, which I, obviously the Lakers won't be targeting him, but that type of like big contract veteran, um it just really isn't feasible because they don't they don't necessarily have the money to send back unless you're giving up you know danny green's contract kcp's contract guys who like you just said have been really good contributors for them and the other thing is kuzman just hasn't been good he's been objectively pretty bad since he's come back and if you if you wonder whether he can be your third option and if you decide that you're not confident in that i I don't know what the backup is at this point yeah i mean i think anything they can do to basically eliminate 
the like Troy Daniels Quinn Cook minutes yeah. is is going to be like their main goal. Even if that includes getting rid of Kuzma, I think they might try to do it. Um yeah, I mean the like I, I have you know, I think Kuzma can be a really good player, but he is as of right now, and it may end up being like his whole career, like just a scoring like forward. And an inefficient one at that. Yeah, not especially efficient. Just like he can get you twenty a game, it's not gonna be great. Like um so there's a place for that on some teams, and maybe the place for that is like off the bench on a contending team. Uh but I think they would rather I think they would benefit more from having just like a another like three and D guy or I don't I don't know like what the market is for Kuzma at all. I can't imagine it's very high, you know, and I it, it goes back to you know, it, it seemed like the Lakers were making this big point to hold on to him over the summer, and you do wonder, like, especially with how well Ingram's playing, like could they have done that trade and gave up Kuzma and kept Ingram? Because you know who would be a great third option for this team, Brandon Ingram. I don't. I don't think that was ever on the table. I, I think the Pelicans needed Brandon Ingram. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess we should factor in the fact that it was coming from the Lakers camp, but they made it sound as though you know, like the deal was not getting done if Kuzma was involved. I think that was more about like having one, a- like yeah. one asset under. Um, <clears throat> Yeah. that they could like flip again i think he because they're like we need like one yeah. one bullet left this is this uh, is the modern use. choosing monte ellis over steph curry it, <laughs> basically <laughs> um yeah i mean other things to monitor under that you know kind of buying selling market um topic memphis is a team that loses its pick to boston if it's not in the top six so I, i'm pretty confident you know they'll be certainly in the mix for the bottom five they probably won't need help to do that but you look at it. You know, there are very few teams right now, as we just discussed, that are that can really tell themselves they're out of it. And I think so many of these teams, like the Kings, um, you know, Portland, I think the Thunder, even to some degree, Phoenix for sure. Like those teams want to make the playoffs, even if there's a case that it's not the best. You know, uh, in in terms of the long term plan, like those franchises just need to make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so there are very few teams I think that'll be going going to be willing to sell, um, at least in kind of the early trade period. I, I think Memphis is one of those teams that. You know they don't necessarily have a, a treasure trove of guys to to trade, but you know I'm thinking Kyle Anderson, Jay Crowder, um, Iguodala, Iguodala. Who, yeah, I mean they're still holding out. I mean even some teams might be interested in you know like a Valanciunas. You know I, I don't I, like how many guys on that roster do, do they anticipate being on the roster in two or three years? Like Morant, Clark, Jackson. I mean maybe Dylan Brooks, and that's probably about it. Yeah, I mean I don't. I mean, signing Valanciunas was fine, but he is 27. So, like, if you assume it's going to take three, four years for the Grizzlies to be relevant again, I mean, is mm-hmm. a 31-year-old you know, Valanciunas worth hanging on to compared to the assets that you could get for him? I mean, I, I agree with you. I think they can be they can be like major uh, major sellers. Kyle Anderson, I'm sure someone would want him. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, it's tough to say where any of those guys fit. I think Crowder is probably the most attractive as just like a, every team could use a Jay Crowder to be your seventh or eighth man. Crowder type. for Kuzma straight up. Oh my God. Uh, I, Crowder actually played horribly with alongside LeBron in Cleveland. So I, I don't That's think right. he'd be welcome back. Um, all right. What's next on your list? What is next on my list? Uh, oh, Daryl. I think Daryl Morey is going to try to get someone to trade for Westbrook. Oh, really? Do you have insider info on this? No. Other than like looking at stats and realizing that Westbrook is like horrible for this team right now, I, 
There is no, I don't know if there's a single stat you can point to to say that this is working. Other than like, oh, they're winning games. Yeah. But Westbrook has a minus eight net rating. His true shooting percentage is 49. Mm. Technically 48.8. That's 205th in the NBA out of 231 qualifying players. His VORP is 0.2, which is worse. Russell Westbrook has a worse value over replacement player than DeAndre Bembry. Markel sure. Fultz, Jordan Clarkson, Marquise Chris, Patty Mills, Gorgi Jang, Angus Cantor, Chris Silva. Who is that? Uh, Chris Dunn. I, like Chris Silva. Don't don't you dare talk I about know. Chris Silva like that. He's been good. Um, like that's you. This isn't. This is insane. No. I, uh, and and yet at the same time, I, I think on the surface it, it seems like it's worked, right? Like I, just just because of the fact that they're thirteen and seven. And I mean, they've had a couple kind of marquee wins. They could very easily be thirteen and six after that bizarre game against the Spurs. It's just like bizarre to watch them and see like Westbrook just kind of like floating out there while Harden does the same thing that he's been doing for the past however many years. Like I don't, I don't even know how Westbrook is getting like his twenty point, you know, twenty some points. Like I, I watch the games yeah. and it's like I don't know how any of these. I feel like I didn't see him do any of this. Yep. Um, and I just, I just feel like that you need to get off the contract because the fit doesn't make sense. It's a waste of, it's a waste of cap space. I, I agree on all accounts. I think they knew this all going in. Though. Like none, none of this would be no, a, I agree. Is, a, is a surprise, right? I think they knew it was a bad fit. It's just somehow a more amicable fit than Chris Paul. And it was kind of, I mean, in some ways, it's kind of like the Warriors getting Russell, where right. it was like, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, but it's kind of the best we could do in this in this kind of tight situation. The question is, I guess, are you, if you're the Rockets, are you willing to sell low on Westbrook? Because the number of teams that can even bring him in or would be willing to bring him in is so low. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's kind of the same teams that would be in the market, you would think, for Chris Paul. Although Westbrook, I think at this point in his career, even though his you know analytical effectiveness has clearly fallen off he's younger than paul and i think you can still sell him as kind of this face of the franchise type of player and there are still teams out there that would that would bring him in just for that reason i think yeah i agree i think i almost feel like they traded chris paul to get westbrook to trade westbrook for other stuff yeah very like nba 2k strategy right. right it's like i know the computer won't accept this trade but if i get this guy then i can get the other guy i just i just don't know who that guy is you know like is it, well, i think do you think they'd be better off flipping him for like three just like replacement caliber wings i was just gonna say like would you do aaron gordon evan fournier and terrence ross for russell westbrook oh my god yeah if i if i'm houston oh absolutely both sides absolutely i orlando i don't know it's just so much money that's the thing i i think I think that's the hardest thing to talk yourself into is is the money, not not the difficulty of fitting him into your team, let alone the difficulty of him as a person. Right. I, I think it's right. just it's so much money. There's a reason that you know that OKC was willing to trade him, right? I mean, I mean that would that's that would have been inconceivable a couple of years ago. Yeah, and this is this is almost like the the Blake Griffin situation where it's like Detroit was willing to trade for Blake Griffin despite the fact the contract was probably too much and giving his injury history and everything like that because they're like well we're not going to get any one of blake griffin's caliber or star power or name recognition and free agency like blake griffin's not going to sign with us in detroit just like russell westbrook probably went sign with orlando so i think you know may they they might try to just flex him to a team that knows they won't be able to get anyone that good otherwise 
Uh, I've always kind of liked the the Charlotte connection for both him and Chris Paul. They're both Jordan guys. I think we, know who, we know who's in charge. Yeah, well, you know, I guess is, is Devontae Graham too good that you don't want Russell he, Westbrook? He is. He's been better than Russell Westbrook this year. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's going to be something to watch. I, I just think they wouldn't, they wouldn't make that drastic of a move unless James Harden signaled that that's what he wanted to happen. Um, or there was like real, real genuine chemistry issues, which even though Westbrook just had a triple double and went seven for 30 in a game, like the most quintessential Westbrook game ever. Um, it, it does seem like it's, it's working from a personality standpoint. And I think that was almost the bigger concern, right? Was yeah. that these guys wouldn't mesh. And like, even though Westbrook is not playing well, like they still seem to be happy about it. I'm sure James Harden can make friends with like, I'm, Terrence Ross seems cool. Terrence Ross does seem cool. Let's talk about the value in daily fantasy for a minute. The big prizes are attractive, but you have to finish in the top 2% out of thousands of experts to win any real money. So even on your best day, you still feel like you're losing. Now you can play something better, and that is Stat Hero. Stat Hero is a house-based game that combines the best of daily fantasy and survivor pools. Each Stat Hero contest lasts multiple days, but requires only one entry fee, so your money lasts longer. Yes, you can play multiple days with only one entry fee. Stat Hero gives you smaller contests and more chances to win, and no more competing with sharks or experts ever, because your only competition is Stat Hero itself. You play Stat Hero, you beat Stat Hero, you get paid by Stat Hero. Survive the game and download Stat Hero today and see how the face of Daily Fantasy has changed. Finally, a game designed for the rest of us. Stat Hero, now open for NFL and NBA and available on both iOS and Android. For more information, visit StatHero.com. I have Giannis's pursuit of the best individual season in modern NBA history. Okay. It's something to keep an eye on. So through 22 games... He has a PER of 34.0. The, as I'm sure you're aware, the next two highest in NBA history over the course of a full season would be Doncic and Harden, both this season. Um, but Doncic is at 31.9, Harden at 31.8. In terms of guys who've done it over a full year, LeBron and Jordan have both done 31.7. So virtually, you know, the seasons that Harden and Doncic have had to this point are what are what is like, you know, the modern standard for PER. Giannis is at 34.0. That is a large number and yes. significantly higher than 31.9, even though it's only a you know 2.1 difference. That's a lot when it comes to PER. I, you know, I, I think we eventually expect Doncic to probably fade a little bit just because it's only a second year. There's very little precedent for guys playing this well for that long, you know, when they're that young. Um, you know, Harden, we'll see, just because he's such a high volume guy and you know that that certainly plays into it. But it, it, to me, it feels like Giannis should be able to maintain this. Like nothing that he's done so far is unsustainable. And based on his workload, um, and I know you know PER is an efficiency stat, so that doesn't necessarily matter. But I mean, he's playing thirty-one point seven minutes per game. That's over a minute fewer per game than last season when he was already at a low workload for you know by superstar standards. Two seasons ago, he was at thirty-six point seven minutes. So in terms of counting stats, he definitely has room to to rise. And in terms of efficiency. You know, I don't think his field goal percentage or his three point percentage will will rise all that much, but he's at fifty nine percent from the line. Like, I, I don't know the PER equation, but what would his PER be if he was just shooting his career average of seventy three percent from the line? Like, would it be would it be north of thirty five? Uh, I I don't know the formula, but I agree with <laughs> like this is he the the room to improve actually is in the points because his free throw right. percentage is so is so bad. He's actually shooting thirty two percent from three right now on five attempts a game. Yep, like I feel like uh like like the the idea of you know every 
everyone's like, oh, if Giannis improves his three-pointer. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I'm not saying it's there. But the fact that he's taking five a game and that he's still shooting like 57% from the field. Right. And the true shooting percentage like isn't as good as last year, but it's still 62%. Yep. Um, <clears throat> like league in the league and win shares per 48, defensive win shares, defensive rating. Um, it, I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. And like you, you still watch him and I mean, we, we, we have more exposure to it because we've been watching him for like all mm-hmm. these years as Bucks fans, but he still makes like certain mistakes or like he, he uses the off arm and gets called for charges yeah. and, and push offs and stuff like that. And, uh, you can still tell there's like, it's not a huge, there's, yeah. there's not really a huge leap forward there, but there's like room for like five to 10% improvement there and so the fact that he could put together quote-unquote like the best per your best individual season ever is that's not out of reach at all obviously no i mean even last night zero assists for the first time in like two years i mean he hasn't had a perfect season yet by any means that's what i mean it's like i I think he still almost has room to grow as the season goes on i mean per 36 35.2 points 15.0 rebounds 6.2 assists 1.5 1.5 steals, 1.5 blocks. Yeah, and when you consider like he he has a similar, I think, kind of eyeballing it, similar assisted turnover ratio as Harden. Yeah, his um, assists are actually down a little bit this year. Yeah, but let's say over the past like two years. Yeah, similar assisted turnover ratio as Harden, and I would say Giannis creates more possessions defensively. Oh yeah, than Harden. So like he he's he's theoretically like a I, I don't even right. know how to phrase it, but he he makes up for a lot of his lost right. possessions. That's kind of what wins the argument, I think. If you want to say Harden is a better or more effective offensive player, like I'm willing to admit that probably. Sure. Um, and there are probably a few guys who meet that criteria. But whether it's you know Harden, Curry, Lillard, um, modern day LeBron, like none of those guys are remotely close to what Giannis is on defense. Like Giannis is right. not only a top five player on offense; he's a top three player on defense. And James Harden might be number one on offense, but he's like number 150 on defense. You know, and like yeah. I, I think when you're if you're averaging out the effectiveness on both ends, like Giannis is so far above whoever the number two would be. Like Gobert's kind of the opposite of Harden. You know, like where is he on offense? Is he the 80th best player in the league on offense? He might be two on defense, but yeah, when you average those out, there, I don't know if there's another player in the league who's maybe other than Kawhi who's top ten in both. I was I was just about Paul to say, George is probably close. Yeah, you could you you could make the argument that Giannis is quote unquote only a top ten or maybe only a top fifteen offensive player because of his yeah. certain the certain limitations that he has. Um, you know, like I think I think you could even make the case that like Doncic is more valuable in offense than Agadakumbo from just from like yeah. a general offensive the shooting like, range means a lot yeah and last night the, the the pistons were content to just let him shoot they were not right. even coming out on him at, at the three-point line and that's going to be an issue as we saw last year in the playoffs yeah but the fact that you know and and the thing is like Giannis isn't even i mean you it's not like he's at the rim most of the time like the bucks the, the defense yep. that they play is funneling people to brooke lopez right they're, they're not funneling people to Giannis to have Giannis block shots yes so Giannis is getting a lot of these blocks on like just like happen like just flow game flow like help side which i feel like he doesn't even do a ton yeah. a lot of chase downs um it's getting steals by being in the passing lanes and um yeah it's just it's just crazy yeah final thing on Giannis, I, I tweeted this out earlier but uh coming into this year so not counting um not counting Giannis, not counting harden who are both on pace to average at least 31 points this year Prior to the season, 44 times uh, in NBA history, there was a player who averaged at least 31 points per game 
Only two of those 44 times did the player average fewer than 36 minutes per game. And the lowest minutes per game average for a player who averaged 31 points per game was Westbrook a few years ago at 34.6 minutes. So Giannis is on pace to, in terms of like minutes to point production is on pace to like shatter, I, I guess, the unofficial record for fewest minutes to average at least 31 points. Right. I mean, we... I th- I, I got to do this sometime, but just like going through the per 100 possessions. Yeah, I mean, he's right. averaging basically 45 points per 100 possessions. Yeah. Which I think, I mean, oh, that's only going to be like, I think Harden and Jordan that are probably around yeah. that that mark. Yeah. And it's worth knowing. I mean, the Bucks are, are they still they leading? Play fast. They're, they're leading the league in pace. They're at like 105.2, um, 105.2 points per 100 possession or possessions per 48. Yeah. Which leads the league, like I said. And I, I think I looked back earlier and like, the year that Jordan had his best individual year, which was like 86, 87, I think, um, they were playing at a pace of like 92. So you do have to account for that. But still, I, I mean, it, it's in the modern NBA, there's really not much of a precedent for someone playing that that low of a workload by superstar standards and scoring that many points. I mean, Giannis is only averaging three fewer points per 100 possessions than Harden. Right. So just from a crazy. scoring perspective, it's yeah. Per thirty six, their numbers are a lot closer too. Because I mean, Harden's playing like thirty seven minutes a game. Right. All right. What's left on your list? Uh, R.J. Barrett. Is he a bust? No. You James tried to make this case yesterday. We did, uh, or two days ago, we did a redraft of the twenty nineteen draft just for fun. He had R.J. Barrett eleventh. I I, st- I still have him at third. No, I think he's fine. I mean, he's in like the worst possible situation. I, the big concern, and James brought this up too, is the free throw percentage. There's not a whole lot of precedent for guys shooting that poorly and turning into great shooters later on especially guys who fit his archetype like he's not and I, again i said this to james he's not jason kidd lonzo ball rondo you know passer kind of passing specialist like he's a guy who gets to the line a lot and is missing a ton of free throws that's a problem um but i'm, I'm, I'm still in on barrett i guess i'm just like i don't know the the true shooting percentage the 12th worst in the league it's only three percentage points higher than Markel Fultz's first 33 games of his career. Okay, why well, don't drag Fultz into this? That, I, that's that's but low. like you know just for some perspective. <laughs> and like you know the main thing you hear about Barrett now is like oh he's a great rebounder though. That's what they said about Fultz when he could not like Come do on. anything. This is, like this is mean. This is really mean. I'm sorry, but like I just if he if he's not a if he's not a passer, he's not a ball handler, and he's not really like a defensive wing guy. What is he doing? what's his thing is he a wing that doesn't shoot threes and doesn't and when he gets a line he's he a basketball every player shot. he's just a basketball he's player just a, he just gets buckets yeah he's a bucket getter okay so my counterpoint to this would be if we did this you know if we were talking about guys who we thought were bust this time last year wouldn't this be the the argument for trey young and i'm not saying that you know he's going to turn it around to that degree and have just a crazy second half and you know kind of turn into the player that trey young has been but it's it's just way too early, I think, to write him off, especially based on the situation. That that's kind of the big thing for me is all we and everyone else has done is trash the Knicks. How can we expect RJ Barrett to have a successful, efficient, you know, just kind of smooth rookie season in that organization? I mean, I I kind of agree, but also like Trey Young was clearly an elite passer the entire time. True. Like so you knew that he was gonna be a decent scorer. Like he he had a bad month. Like his his November was like forty four percent true shooting percentage, but then he just he was great the rest of the way. Like he had one bad month, and um, I just don't know. Does R J Barrett have an elite skill? Does he project to have any elite skill? Yeah. All right. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not 
claiming that he's going to be. I'm not saying I'm not saying he's going to be amazing. I mean, he's averaging 15 points, five rebounds, three assists. I think that's fine. I I know the efficiency sucks. I think almost any player in the league could shoot 45 percent true shooting and get 15 points. Yeah, but like I just guess I don't know. I mean, I think what helps if you're the Knicks is that there there's not a super obvious guy you know it's not like deandre hunter is averaging 20 a game or uh, Darius Garland. like well no i mean like other rookies that they should have <laughs> oh, taken instead no, I, got, you know? I got you no it's not like you took case. it's not like you took barrett at one over Mur- you know this as, isn't anthony bennett or, yeah right yeah. exactly um i don't know I'm, I'm willing to let him let him wait it out i mean do, if they could redo that pick do you think they would take kobe white or garland or jackson hayes pj washington tyler hero i mean who who is the pick if it's not him that that's the best case is i don't know who you I don't know who you t- like. Maybe try just try trade out of the spot, but yeah. that's that's super risky. Like that that really, I feel like the fan base would just rather you take the player yeah. than be like, listen, we don't like any of these guys. And that pick was beloved at the time, right? And still, I still think people are in on Barrett. I I think people are. I mean, sort of. I just feel like I haven't. It's not good when you like don't hear anything about. A, like a rookie like a top three rookie like yeah. i you hear you heard about like morant like if you just scroll through twitter it's like morant did this yep, Morant did yep. that there haven't like, been a lot of highlights i'll give you that yeah that's what i mean and so like bust is strong but i think we are if we're talking about narratives to to like watch for the rest of the season yep we are probably what two months out i mean if he if he if this is once the nfl season ends and everyone starts watching the nba again if mm-hmm. he's still doing this it's gonna be people are going to notice and it's i feel like it's gonna the dialogue yeah. is going to be started yeah that's all fair I, I i just think it's not like he was supposed to be a knockdown shooter like i said the free throws are concerning um but he, he struggled with the shot at duke he's kind of always been a high volume guy i think he's one of those players that the belief was he'll be a he, he's a better fit in the nba than he is in college and you know he's kind of been trained as a pro his whole life and you know, the college system wasn't quite right for him and you know maybe that looks like it's it's not correct but i'm i'm more than willing to to give him at least a couple of years honestly I, I think he's the type of player that has such a pedigree coming up as as like a youth player in canada that he was almost looked at as like so nba ready that he can't fail and I, i'm just not willing to write him off quite yet did he have like a strong comp uh not really i mean he's part of it's just been he's he's kind of bounced between both guard spots kind of a wing um i mean he's always been very ball dominant type you know i think he's i wouldn't say he's ever been compared to kobe but i think it was you know that type of upbringing you know that type of mentality i'm the best player on the court at all times type of thing which can can go really well for some guys and really poorly for other guys yeah i mean i was looking back at some other because he was the number one recruit coming out of high school and i was looking back at some of the other number one recruits it's not a stunning list of like how they've turned out in the nba number one overall recruits yeah no. i think avery bradley was the number one overall recruit yeah i mean it's a point. lot of like jaleel okafor yeah. nerlens noel like obviously ben simmons was there yeah. and he was good but like some other guys on the list you're like eh. so yeah. i mean barrett's 19 he doesn't turn 20 until you know right around the draft this summer i'm i'm willing to defend him we'll see okay i'm uh, I'm, I'm going to new york <laughs> this, next weekend so i'll do some canvassing of the this, locals <laughs> <laughs> this the basically this this i i came up with this argument or question because 
if let's say Morant deals with this back spasms thing or whatever he's dealing with for a long time and he's kind of out of the rookie of the year race because yep. he only plays however many oh. games and if Zion's not going to do it I was like well is Barrett just going to win rookie of the year and oh, I looked man. at his stats and I was like you can't give rookie of the year to this guy that would be the Michael Carter Williams like right. we have to give it to somebody award you just that's give a good to, point like, yeah. hero or like like I don't know who else but I, I don't think you man. can if this stays you just he he I don't even think he can win it by default yeah hey you want to comp for him what about Tyreek Evans Oh boy! Off to a much worse start than Tyreek Evans. Tyreek Evans is definitely better than R.J. Barrett in his rookie year. He won Rookie of the Year. Yeah, yeah he was, he averaged twenty a game as a rookie. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, right now, if the voting took place, it might be like Eric Pascal, Tyler Hero, <laughs> Kobe White. Is Kai Bowman a rookie? Yeah, Kai, I don't know if he's a rookie. Kendrick Nunn is he eligible? Yes, he is. I think. Okay, there we go. Um, <laughs> what's your what's your next storyline slash narrative? I have I have Luka Doncic. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on him because it feels like everybody is just the last two weeks have just been all Luka and we really don't have anything new to bring to the table there. But just just can he keep this up? Um, And then, you know, the subtext of that being the increased scrutiny that Phoenix, Sacramento and Atlanta, I think, are going to continue to face for not taking him, even as Trey Young plays well. Even as Marvin Bagley's hurt, even as DeAndre Ayton is suspended for potentially doing steroids, like almost none of those guys have even had a chance to really defend themselves, I feel like, especially Ayton and Bagley. Like for all we know, they were going to be awesome this year. True. And they still very well might. But like even as Trey Young goes for 49 and 37 and 38 every single night, the Hawks are losing. He's still terrible on defense. And Doncic, you know, his triple doubles have kind of been devalued, I think, ever ever since Westbrook. But he's at least impacting winning it seems like a lot more with his numbers than trey young is yeah i mean and the you know the mavs from a so as far as the trey young thing is concerned i mean i'm pretty sure that the hawks team was purposely built to lose games this year i think that that's you know people use that playing a lot of cam reddish yes people use that as an argument to like knock down trey young and they're like listen he's just he's not a winner doesn't Mm -hmm. win games like i'm travis schlank is a hundred percent trying to have them lose lose yep. games um maybe travis schlank is the one who gave john collins the uh is it did he did he get caught for diuretics like i Aiden? think it was an eight in situation yeah okay. we're like we don't even know if they were using steroids they were just using right. something that you would use to flush out your system if you were on steroids <laughs> um it, it is kind of weird in hindsight um wanting i i know that i know the hawks like wanted I, you know this doesn't even this doesn't even like super relevant to like Trey Young specifically, but I think it's it's weird that you would look at a guy. I understand like the the questions about Doncic's athleticism and is he in shape, and you know the I I saw like stories about the one game that the scouts went to go see. He like played pretty bad, but he had basically played like ninety five games in a row. Um, it's just it's not too often that like six seven guys who have elite passing vision just like are available ever i mean you know that's that's no one assumed he was going to be like a plus defender and i don't think he'll ever be a plus defender but he has the size to at least not get bullied and on offense you know the main the main thing about Doncic is um he he can score in so many different ways. Like you watch Doncic and he'll be all over the court. Like if they, if you try to switch a smaller guy on him, he can actually post up. It's like what people wanted LeBron to do. It's like, just, yep. so, you know, post up when you got a smaller guy, you know, we get a taller guy on you, you drive past him or you step back and hit a three. And I think just watching him this year, you can see even more that everything he does is so like calm 
I feel like he's playing. It it looks like he's. It's like a weird kind of smooth, like the step backs he shoots. It it almost looks like he's exerting as little effort as possible, and he's still getting everything done. It's It's crazy. It's somewhat Harden esque in that you wonder how he doesn't get blocked. Like it's even slower than Harden's. You know where like it really is a methodical step back and cut into a like a really set shot, almost a free throw from from twenty seven feet. But yeah, I mean nobody's really been able to touch it. We were watching you know on Tuesday night. And it was just over and over and over uh, against a bad Pelicans defense, granted. But, I mean, he's just getting somehow getting to spots that, like, defy physics. Like, he's not fast. <laughs> he's not athletic. He's really barely even in shape. And yet, I guess maybe Jokic is kind of the best comparison. He's like the guard version of Jokic where you, you're you just kind of befuddled at what you're watching because it does it just doesn't make sense coming from that being. I right. Guess. He must... He must uh... Like it, it might be a lot of things you just can't pick up on TV yeah, where he must really look like like the body language must be like he's committing really hard to right. a spot and then he yanks back because a lot of his moves are driving and then just pulling back and changing yep. direction really quickly. Very subtle hesitations. And, yep. and on the step backs, it's like he a lot of times he steps back and it's almost like he waits mm-hmm. for the defender to start coming like the defender will like run out and put the put the arm up. Yep. And then as soon as the defender actually starts coming down from that is when he goes up. So um it's it's crazy i mean he's just like got just the how effortless he makes mm-hmm. everything look and like you know i mean we he I mean, he's 20 i mean this is insane yeah. like i mean he's, he's going to have i mean he's averaging basically 30 10 and 9 as a as a 20 year old i mean it's it's not even remotely a hot take to say he could have one of the best careers ever he could go down as one of the best nba players ever yeah. he's off to a better start than guys who we now consider top three to 15 players ever you know i think assuming that there are no injuries and at some point there probably will be just because everybody not named lebron goes through that um i mean well on pace you would think to be like a top 25 player ever which you, I, you don't say that about many players you know early in their second season no if he could he could easily play 15 years and if he can average i mean he might he could easily average you know like 25 points you know nine rebounds nine assists for the majority of right. his career yeah yeah, and it seems like he's kind of coming in at the perfect time to do that, right? You know, I think, you know, that team plays quickly. They they have the best offense in the league by, like, three points per 100 possessions. And that's the thing, they shouldn't right. when you look at their roster, which is how you... It's part- not even a great roster. Like, this is probably no. not the best roster he'll have throughout his career. Not even close. This might I mean, be the is- worst roster he'll... Other than yeah. last year. I right. mean, just, you know, you have Porzingis coming off the injury. Porzingis, this might be the worst Porzingis ever is. Yep. Um, you know, you got guys like Tim Hardaway Jr., like really contributing for this team on certain nights and like they have a lot of good pieces and i mean we have to also give credit to carlisle um for just being an amazing coach and the front office for realizing that the dennis smith jr thing was not going to work out and they bailed i think they would have bailed regardless whether or not they could get porzingis i think they were going to bail for anyone but just realizing that like this one guy if you just surround him with competent like really just you know replacement level or above nba players he's he's going to He's going to make it work. You're going to make the playoffs most of the time. Right. Okay. What is your final item to watch? Um, my final item is that I think if the Spurs miss the playoffs, it won't actually be that big of a story. Like, I feel like everyone was like winding up for it to be like when the Spurs miss the playoffs, like it's going to be this, this huge thing. It's going to feel crazy. And I just don't think, I think it'll, it'll matter for a little bit. Like, they might run it for like a day, like, oh, end of the Spurs dynasty. What does it mean? Mm-hmm. I just think people won't I, I don't think it'll get much traction as like an actual story. Like I think this isn't 
you know, I, part of it is this isn't really the Spurs anymore. This is like the Spurs team that yeah. got left. Like this is just kind of like the aftermath of what happened with Kawhi Leonard. Like it's just this. It's crazy, kind of what's happened, and that should be the bigger story. I mean, the you know, like the Spurs front office basically spite traded Kawhi Leonard to yep. the Raptors, and in the end, Kawhi Leonard might be right about like oh, his yeah. injury situation, and like I'm actually hurt, and the Spurs are yeah. like, no play. It turns out he might have actually been in the right in this situation. The Spurs are like, we'd rather just throw him to Toronto, put ourselves in NBA purgatory, than hand him over yep. to some other contending team that we have to deal with, and then. You, you know, another thing that gets swept under the rug is LaMarcus Aldridge. Like the first year he was in San Antonio, demanded a trade off the team, like immediately. Yeah. And so you have basically two players, both of which are probably going to the Hall of Fame, demanding trades off the Spurs. And then LaMarcus Aldridge teams in general, like they haven't gotten out of the first round ever. Right. But like, it's just, I don't think, I don't think it's as big of a story as you, like if you would have said five years ago, will people like, is this going to be a huge story when they when they finally don't? And I think it it mm-hmm. it's just I don't think it's no it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. It, they just haven't been relevant, you know. I think since I think that's since it. trading Kawhi, it's just kind of been this. I mean, and they won forty eight games last year, so you know they've still been in the hunt, obviously. And you know the fact that the streak is still alive says a lot. But it, it almost does feel like like Pop's own bitterness is like come back to bite him in a lot of ways yeah like the organization in general yeah right yeah i mean it's it's worked for so for so well for so long and you know i I certainly don't want to say like pop is washed up or anything like that but (laughs) i mean even team usa like i mean who who would you have picked other than pop to lead that team and you know everybody still felt pretty good about it even after the weird roster decisions um like that was kind of a red flag in some ways i guess that not, not not like pop has lost it or he's lost touch with this generation or anything but it, yeah, it's, it's not this well-oiled machine, I guess, that it used to be for so many years. Right. Um, yeah, that's pretty much my whole take. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that that's going to be, as we said earlier, I mean, they're, they're going to have a chance to be in this, and whether they can bounce back and, and make something of this year will, will be interesting. But if they don't, um, well, the, it'll be the first time in forever. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be the same thing that we eventually face with the Patriots at I was, some point. I was going to make that point. It's kind of like if you know Tom Brady left the Patriots and like they kind of just fizzled out and people are like... Like it, I don't think it would, you know, be yeah. a huge thing. But like, I also think the NBA is such in such a good place. Like, if the NBA, if it, from like an excitement perspective, they've never needed the Spurs. Like the Spurs, even when they were at their best, they, like they were never the marquee franchise. You know, I, I don't think right. the NBA. They were there to take down the like the yeah. like Lakers of the world and and the Miami yeah. Heat of the world. Like they were there to be. I don't even want to call them the bad guys. No, not at all. I, but like. You hear, you know, the NBA wants the Lakers and the Celtics and the Knicks to be good. They they don't need the Spurs to be good. I don't I don't right. think the league cares about that. And you know, in the grand scheme of things, I have a few more things. We won't dive into too many of them just because we're running long already. But um, I think the Warriors and the the quiet chase for the top pick is yep. going to be really interesting. And then the other thing that goes hand in hand with that, what do they do with D'Angelo Russell? Like, as, as much of a disaster as this singular season has been and and will be. I think most fans would probably tell you it's well worth it to go to the finals for all those years before this. Yes. All those guys are still on the team except for Durant. And I, I guess Iguodala became a casualty. Um, but in the long term, I think even even though you know it, it was kind of a weird divorce between those two, um, I, it's not like they wanted to re-sign Iguodala on a long-term deal anyway. You know, I think probably, probably for the best. Um, he had obviously broken down the last couple of years. But 
they're still going to be in a really good spot next year. And there's a very good chance that this team is going to have a top three pick and is going to add somebody really valuable. They're going to get a healthy Steph Curry back, a healthy Clay Thompson back, a pretty well rested, it looks like, Draymond Green based on how they're using him. Um, and you know, if they hit on that pick, especially, they're going to be set up well for a very long time. Yeah, I think um, it's just a nice year off. Yeah, like for all of us. Like, yeah, I just for everybody. <laughs> I needed to like not for the league. For them. I know I needed to not hear anything about like the Warriors or like watch them for like a year and then get back into it and be like, okay, I can enjoy this again. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say like you know I hated watching the Warriors for what they like. Obviously, the Warriors were like incredible basketball to watch. Like mm-hmm. if you want to watch the best basketball in the world, like the Warriors from were just amazing for yep. you know half a decade but um i think this in some ways could be good for the organization just to get you know kind of a breather yep and reset a little bit so um it'll be interesting to see what they yeah like what they do with d'angelo russell right uh, maybe they'll they'll try to make it work next year i don't know one of the and this is the final thing we'll we'll touch on but one of the things i had on my list is who builds the next big three because there really isn't a true big three in the nba right now is there i mean some teams you know you could say philly has like simmons tobias harris and b but there, there's not like a true lebron bosh wade right big three out there there's a lot of big twos a lot of big ones uh but no true big three and eventually someone's going to do it i mean that was the model for almost a full decade and it's kind of the goal still i think for a lot of teams and it's a little bit harder to do salary cap wise but if there's a team that can pull it off, uh, I mean, one, the big issue is there just aren't that many guys available. You know, in a lot of in a lot of cases, it requires you know the perfect timing for free agency or a disgruntled star wanting out. Um, but think, of, I mean, let's say Devin Booker, Carl Towns, Brad Beal, whoever it is, wants out this summer. Golden State can say, "Hey, we'll give you D'Angelo Russell and the number one pick for that player." Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like you, like you mentioned, there's a there are a decent amount of guys who are quote unquote big ones like by themselves, but the amount of teams that those players, most of those guys are on decent teams. Right. So you, like you, you mentioned, you're kind of picking from like Bradley Beal. I don't think Booker is really available. No, I want Beal. I mean, he just signed his extension too. Not exactly available, but we've also seen contracts don't always matter in these cases. Um, I mean, I think, I think there, there, there might be someone who'd be looking to get, d'angelo russell in exchange for their starts kind of like a reset i feel like it would have to be an older star um i don't know how many of those are just like sitting around i mean kevin love always is on the table you, but you wouldn't yeah. do that because you, if you were golden state you wouldn't even consider that so um, i mean back in the day they did and thank god they didn't yeah right um no i don't i, I don't really know though i mean you, you almost have to start with like you allude to teams that already have a big two you're not gonna you can't like add two stars to your one that's pretty difficult no um and yeah i don't know i i the guy to keep an eye on i think is lillard i i don't think he'll leave portland there's been literally no indication whatsoever that he is interested in leaving portland but uh especially if this year were to go like really sideways and i think they've kind of course corrected these last four games where it looked it looked like things were going to get pretty bad there when they first signed mellow um and now here we are they're one game out of the eight but if things were to go badly there, um, I think he's kind of the, the, one of those guys who's been in a situation long enough and it hasn't worked out long enough that, you know, I'm th- you know, kind of Kevin Garnett, Minnesota type of trajectory where you give that franchise every single opportunity to put the right pieces around you. And if they can't do it at some point, maybe you just have to move on. I mean, do you think 
Do you think the Pistons would try to move Blake at all? Oh, I think they'd be open to it. I'd, right. I don't know if that's the type of deal most guys. I mean, he's to me, he's kind of in that Kevin Love ish category where you, you know, it would take, it would really kind of take a little bit of desperation, I think, to make you feel really good about that move. Yeah. Um, he's not quite in like Russell Westbrook territory because of the contract, but you know, I think Blake, uh, Lamarcus, DeRozan, those type of guys, like all these are like flawed stars. Whereas yes. like Lillard, there's like you'd be bringing that guy in with like no concerns. Very true. Yeah. All right. We'll wrap it up kind of all over the place today, but this was a good one. Uh, we'll have to do something similar maybe in a couple months. Yeah. Um, yeah. Have fun with Clippers Bucks tomorrow. I'll be tuned in as yes. well. Looking forward to that. A little bit of a lighter slate on Saturday because I'm hoping at least because of the Big Ten championship game. Mm. Do you do you care about college football at all? Don't really like at watch. all. No. Okay. Well, the Badgers are playing. Okay. That's and good. if they win by like anywhere between 50 and 100 points they might make the playoff so that's all you need to know this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.